Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen. Uh, so we're continuing on with the Lord's Prayer uh, this morning. So I'm going to have everyone stand, if you will, so just stand. We're going to read the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, this is Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And as I read it, uh, please join me in reading. It says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, Please be seated. So that's the word of God. Uh, We'll be looking at, in particular this morning, verse 13, and lead us not in temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil. And the sermon title is lead us, you know, not into into, uh, temptation. So this is, a fantastic part of the Lord's sermon, um, or the Lord's prayer, and it really <clears throat> got me thinking about how we battle uh, temptation, and we're going to find what that is here in a second. Uh, but there's a, in Greek mythology, which I'm not like a great Greek scholar in, the, in mythology, but I did read it, and uh, there's a Christian book that outlines this point that I think is very relevant uh, that'll may, maybe help us as we look at uh, not being led into temptation. Uh, but in Greek mythology, the, the sirens uh, was a part of uh, Greek mythology, and they would sing the, these enchanting songs. They would sing these songs to woo uh, these sailors that were sailing uh, into uh, the, the rocks, and they would, it would shipwreck them. But they were so allured by these enchanting voices and music that they couldn't steer straight because they were like, drawn into that temptation, but it would, would destroy uh, not only their, their, their boats, but, but their lives. Um, <clears throat> Odysseus, how he dealt with the, the, the sirens as they played these songs of allurement, enticement, of temptation, he would fill uh, the crew's uh, ears with earwax, and he would tie them to the mast. So it was like, even though you may, you may hear it, it's muted. It's not as, as beautiful. And so there's, there's this idea of going to really trying to uh, stand against these temptations, time to the mass. So like, this is involuntary. Like I'm going to, to rope myself into the, to the mass where I don't have any choice, but to stay put and not, not grab the will and steer towards the allurement. Uh, this approach, this, this commentary is very much like legalism. It's, it's how we bind ourselves with the law and disciplines and vain, hear me, vain attempt to deal with the temptation that is alluring our hearts every day. Um, and then Orpheus, Orpheus, uh, I don't know if I said that right. Someone after gathering tell me it's Orpheus, Orpheus. It's one or the other. Um, on the other hand, played such beautiful music on his harp that his sailors ignored the seductions of the siren song. So there's two ways to battle the temptation. Is one is to mute the ears, to tie yourself to the mass. The other approach is I'm going to play something more beautiful, more alluring than the temptation at hand. Um, and this is the way of faith. See, the grace of the gospel sings a far more glorious song than any enticement of sin, and that's how we should deal with temptation, is to play the better song of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to lure our hearts to Jesus. And so in this same book, um, it really talks about if you want to battle 
temptation, if you want to battle uh, those enticements of the heart, is we need a reconversion every day. So yes, you come to Christ one time in your life. You say the prayer of, of the, man, I need forgiveness and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. But the truth of Christianity is not a one-time turning, but a continual reconversion every day towards Jesus. Each day we need to turn afresh uh, in faith and repentance towards God. We need to rediscover our first love all over again, not to be tempted to spiritual adultery. Uh, The key to continual and deeper renewal and revival is a continual rediscovery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you battle sin. That's how you battle temptation is by the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the better song that we need to tune our eyes, our ears, and our lives to. And this is what Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, It's not if you're battling temptation, you are. You have trials in your life, and the way that you fight a winning battle is actually to hear what Jesus is telling us in the Lord's Prayer. It's a rediscovery of the gospel of Jesus Christ every time we we, uh, go into the Lord's Prayer. So in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is teaching us a few things, but uh, about temptation, and we're going to talk about what that word means uh, a little bit more, is to expect it. So we're supposed to to continually pray to the Lord under the Lord's prayer. And if we're continually doing this, not only daily, but you know, throughout the day, the Lord's prayer, he's continually reminding us what? There is temptation. There, there is evil and there's an evil one. And so there's an idea that we need to uh, be aware of the temptation that's all around us. Now, that word temptation... Uh, can also mean test. It can mean uh, a trial. It can mean a trap. And so th- we, need a, we need to be aware of every day, continually, you are being what? You're being tested, if you will. You're, you have trials that come into your life. It's exposing uh, where you're at, what your hope is. Uh, so I'm going to turn to James 1, 12 through, uh, 12 through 15. I'll come back to, to Matthew 6. But to help us understand uh, that we need to expect these temptations or these trials and, and then where do they come from, I think is, is, is pretty important. So James 1, I'll pick up in 12, it says, "'Bless the man who remains steadfast under trial, "'for when he has stood the test, "'he received the crown of life, "'which God has promised to those who love him.'" So first and foremost, that these trials come into our life. James talks about it. Jesus talks about it in the prayer. Uh, even in First Peter, it says, "'Don't be surprised at the fire trials "'when they come among you.'" So God allows tests in your life. You should not be surprised by this. Like right now, right now in your life, you're having a trial of some sort, I guarantee it, because God wants that for you. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He wants that for you to show you where your heart is at. He wants a steadfast heart in you, but it's, 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 a, it's an exposure to where your heart's hope is and, and a trajectory of where you're going. Uh, so believe it or not, I, was a, I had a finance degree in, in college and almost a double major in accounting. I loved accounting because uh, it made sense in my brain. That's number one. Number two, the reason why I liked accounting was my teacher, the, my professor, the way he started to teach us is he would not tell us when the tests were. So each week we'd go over content and we would have a test sometime during that week. So you know what that would force you to do? it forced you to know your stuff. Why? Because you didn't know when it was coming. And so what happened was that test could be a trap to show you where you weren't, or it could show you where you were. It showed you how you were progressing. This is what trials do. 
So it could be a trap. It could expose you of where you're not in the trajectory you're on, but it's also a healthy litmus test. Do I actually believe in the Lord? Is this the trajectory I'm on? Uh, this is a healthy way to look at these trials that come for the Lord. He is, by his grace, showing you where your, 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 your hope is and uh, your trajectory. Now, we'll keep going in uh, verse 13. So trials, God sends our ways. But listen to this, verse, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed, what would it say, by his own desires. So God allows trials, amen, but he does not tempt you. Where does the temptation come from? It comes from your own heart, your own enticement, your own, your own disposition not to trust God and to pursue other things. Temptation is in your own heart. Um, it shows you your, your character, and that's why some, the same people can go through the same circumstance and have two totally different outcomes. Why? Because it shows you uh, where your heart is at, what your disposition is. And so when you are tempted, you can't say, oh, God did this to me. No, he's simply exposing the sin uh, and your disposition towards it in, in, in your heart. Uh, verse 15 is very helpful, I think, because trials God allows, temptations, if you feel tempted, it's not from God that's just showing you your own heart, heart's desire. In verse 15, it says this in James, the desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin. So when that desire, when you, when you pursue that desire, not trusting in God, but trusting in creation, it gives birth to what? Sin, and sin when it's full grown, what does it do? It brings forth death. So just as the, the sirens of, you know, going into the cliffs, when, when, we, when we give over to temptation uh, and sin happens, it leads to death. Life apart from God leads to death, and we need to know that. And so this is, it's happening all the time. These trials are happening. It's showing our disposition of the heart. Are we loving sin more than we're loving uh, God? And then if there is sin in our life, the trajectory is, it leads to death. So my first point, as we look in the Lord's Prayer, if Jesus is telling us to pray this daily, and I'd say even continually, what is he reminding us? That there is temptation out there, there's trials out there that you will be walking through. We should not be surprised. Like the biggest part of being good in battle is first recognizing what? You're in a battle. There, there's a battle going on right now and it's, you're being tested um, to show where, where, your, where your allegiances are uh, all the time, all the time. So don't, uh, don't, don't be surprised uh, when, when temptations slash trials come. Um, the other thing I'd point out is that Sin, not suffering, is the real problem because is, is trials the problems? Is because God could take these these trials away, but He doesn't, right? So suffering, these trials aren't really the issue. What's the real problem in our life? Well, it's sin. Uh, suffering is actually a gift from God. We'll talk about that here in a second. But sin, sin leads to death. Sin separates. Sin is the thing that will sabotage us over time. Not not suffering. Uh, we'll talk why suffering is actually part of the grace of God in Christ, but suffering, it purifies. See, sin is the problem, not suffering. So a lot of people, they don't want to suffer. They want comfort, and that's not Christianity. Uh, but suffering purifies. Uh, I think a lot, of, I know the fundamental thought of most people in America, and, and it's crept into the church, is this, of humanity is, is this. Good people... 
good people, which everyone thinks they are good, just so you know, good people should have good lives. That's what we think. We think that's, we think that's how life should go. And most of us, whatever we think good is, we draw that circle around us. The people out there, they're the bad ones. And because I'm good, I deserve a good life. That is a good life. That is not Christian. Um, and a lot of people think, hey, if you're a bad person, you have a bad life. And again, this is not Christian thought because look at Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ suffered. <laughs> Jesus, the only righteous one, suffered greatly. He suffered injustice, oppression, and even death. This is, this is the, our savior. This is our example. This is our example. So what is, what is at the center of Christianity, the cross of Jesus Christ? So we should not be surprised that we would suffer if our Savior suffered. Why? Because death, what does it do? It leads to resurrection. Death leads to resurrection, and this is what the Christian belief is. We believe the way to redemption is what? Sacrifice. We believe the way that we are refined to be like a diamond is understand we've got to go under the, under the pressures of being coal. This is Christian thought and biblical truth. But a lot of the church has rejected this idea for an American idea or a culture idea, good people get a good life and a comfortable life, and the Bible doesn't teach that. That's not the center of our faith at all. See, the cross is the fundamental truth of Christianity. So let's go back again to your trials and sufferings that may be going on in your life. Maybe you have a rough, a rough work life, a boss, a coworker. Maybe, maybe it's uh, your, you know, your marriage is 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 having some trials and suffering. Maybe it's health. Uh, maybe maybe it's your kid. Kids are suffering, and we should not be surprised. But understand, God's working in those things. Um, the greater problem is not the trial, but it's the temptation in the trial to, to not trust God, to, to lovingly not trust him and obey him and to, to really take control and sin, to rebel against him. This is the natural thought. A lot of us think we know better than God. That's the fundamental idea of sin. But Proverbs 14, 12, again, which emphasize also in James, there's a way that seems right to man, but it, what's its trajectory? It leads to death. So when our, our, our sin entices us, that sounds good, the world's gonna play this different music. So like, that's enticing. It's bring you into the rocks. They're going to shipwreck your life. You're like, but it sounds good. It looks good. It's like, it's going to lead to death. This is the trajectory of sin, not suffering the trials that we're going in, but it's when we, we, we give over to our, our, our sin nature or uh, de- desire. Now, why, why, is sin so um, enticing or where does that play out? Like it says, deliver us from the evil one, which I think is, is interesting, right? Because a lot of people think evil is out there. And I would say, well, yeah, there is a real deceiver. In scripture, it says there's a father of lies, which is Satan. Uh, and he is, he is out to get you. He's like a roaring lion out to destroy you. But the battleground right, is Satan is tempting what? The desires in your own heart. Now, again, we have to see that. Mark 7, 21 and 23 says this, from within. So where's the battleground of our, 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 our sin nature? From within, out of our heart, out of man comes what? Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all, all these evil things, listen, come from within and they defile a person. I just said quite the list. Where does it come from? Our heart. 
And so what, 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 what um, Satan does, he tempts us in, in these trials not to trust God, not to obey God, not to, to look to him. He's lying. See, if God was good, why would he allow this happen? This is the real way to life. And all Satan is doing is playing your heart like an instrument. That's all he's doing. He's just strumming the chords of sin in, in, in your own heart that are already there. And that, that's why we get led astray. Now, the sin uh, that, that, that you know, Satan deceives is, is always idolatry. It's always idolatry, looking not to God for life, not, look, not looking to God for a protector and provision. We look to, to God's creation apart from him, saying, man, I, I can create a life without God. That, that's idolatry. And Satan's always tempting us to do that, that we think we can have life, life apart from God, who is the author of life, which is, is just crazy, but we fall all the time for it. Three ways, primarily, I, I wrote down that he does this. These idolatry things is, is that Satan tempts us to be, to be like God or just um, to be very proud. Um, you, you are not the great constant, neither am I. You are not the center of your universe. Uh, God is. But a lot, a lot of us think very highly of ourselves. You're like, well, I don't, I don't think highly of myself. You think about yourself constantly. That's a proud heart. You're constantly thinking about what other people are thinking about you, and they're not even thinking about you. Why? Because you have a proud heart. That's what we do. We have a fragile ego apart from the righteousness of Christ, and we're always trying to spin what other people are saying and seeing. Why? Because we're so proud of ourselves. We have to stand in the center of our own lives and the affections. That's where, that's where God stands. But we are tempted when someone doesn't see us rightly or we feel misunderstood, I mean, we start to spin. We start to seek God's glory. And this is, this is a proud heart. Um, we, all, we all seek power apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Power is this control. We try to create these safe environments for ourselves. So many people are dealing with anxiety. Why? Uh, because of primarily this. We want to control everything. We're control freaks. Now, here's, here's the problem. You don't control anything. So how much do you control? Nothing. And that, that, that's overwhelming. So the more that you, you feel out of control, you're going to try to do, you're going to try to grab and control. You're going to try to manipulate. You're going to try to accumulate wealth. You're going to even, you can have an aggressive behavior while you're trying to control a situation. Why? To provide safety. Only God can provide that. But so many of us are grasping at this power and control uh, to, to, to feel safe. God is in control. You know, I wrote this down to um, parents with kids. I mean, quit trying to control your kid's life. I mean, I talked to so many parents. They won't let their kids fail. They won't let them suffer. They need to suffer. Why? Because they understand they're not in control. Like part of life is allowing trials to happen, not only to yourself, but also to your kids. Why? So they can look to God. Like they need to see that, man, God's still in control through their trials and their sufferings and uh, he can be trusted. We don't have to control everything. Uh, the last one I put is we've got pride, power, and then uh, pleasure. Um, a lot of us struggle with drink, food, and sex. Why? Because we're looking for an escape. Those are temptations. Like we, we, we've been hurt by the world there's a lot of things going wrong. And so what happens? Drink uh, and, and drugs, they're very appealing. Why? Because it, num it numbs you. It numbs you to the rally that you're in. Uh, it can cause a false intimacy that only God provides. 
You're looking for these intimacy and you turn to drink and Satan's wooing you to feel it, but man, it will betray you and it, it, it will betray you. Uh, food is the same thing. You're looking for this comfort, this life. You overeat, you indulge. Why? Because you're looking for life and food, sex, same thing. It's a way to numb, have power, control, try to fulfill these things. And Satan's wooing you away from trusting God. Where is that sin lie? It's in your heart. And he provides these different outlets to try to entice you away from, from trusting him. Now, I know this is true, that we're all sinners. I know, what I just said, to some degree, you're strong with. I, like, without a doubt. Now, why? Because I know you're a sinner. And what I just said about the heart, it's in everyone. And you're like, well, that's not me. No, that's you. That's in your heart. And you have some degree of struggle. And there's some sins that you just haven't been able to kick. You have some patterns in your life that you're like, man, I, I, I just can't change. I've tried to change and I can't. Well, the Lord's prayer is that's the purpose. You can't change. Like you, you don't have the ability in yourself to change. That's why we're praying our father who is in heaven. He is the one who has the ability to change our lives. Our, 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 our God's intervention is what we need. See, external activities can't change us. Why? Because change needs to come from our heart. Why? Because that's where the, the issue lies. See, rituals can't change our behavior, uh, but, but man, we need a heart change from God. And that comes from fundamentally seeing who God is, is glorious and good and great and beautiful. See, the father puts his children through circumstances for our good. Why? So that we become like his son. See, the idea is God is allowing these things to happen, not, not to bring you into death, but to make you look up for intervention, to make us more like Jesus. See, the spirit of God will transform our desires. You can't transform your desires, only God can. And that's why God teaches us to pray the Lord's prayer. If I could write down one thing, if you could hear one thing, you can't change, but God can change you. You can't change, but God can change you. And that's why we pray. Jesus says, look to the father for he is our help and he is our deliverer. So this is the Lord's prayer. And this is what he's teaching us is to process, to process, man, our temptation and, 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 our, and, our, and our trials through the Father's love. That's how we're going to be molded to, to be more like Jesus. This is how we're going to become strong in the Lord. This is how we're going to continually trust in the Lord and not seek after our own desires uh, is to, to look at the Father's love. So this is what, this is what Jesus teaches us, right? He, I'm going I'm to name two things here to process our trials and temptations through the Father's love. Number one, he says, our Father in heaven. And then um, in verse 12, before it tells us and lead us not to temptation, which we're going to have trials, we're going to have temptations. We have evil in our heart. And there's a real evil one trying to tempt us away. Verse 12, it says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Number one, if we're going to process the father's love is order matters. He doesn't say, man, you got to resist temptation and God will forgive you. Is that the order? No. What does he say? Man, I'm going to forgive you of your debts. And now that you've been forgiven, I want you to obey. Now that's important. Why? Because a lot of us don't believe that. It's like, man, if I obey, God will love me. The, the order here is like God saying, I'm going to take care of your sin, your debts by the cross of Jesus Christ. You, as far as east as the west is you're forgiven. And as you stand in fear of a gracious God who loves you as a sinner, you know what's going to happen? You'll want to obey. 
See, it's not the opposite. It's not like if I obey, God will eventually love me. That's legalism. But how does he frame it? First, he forgives and then you obey. Now, it's super important. Grace leads to obedience. Um, and you have to, to know this because the more that you understand that it's grace that taught my heart to fear, that's amazing grace, you'll want to obey. As you see a God who gave his own son for you to deal with the, 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 the wrath that you deserved and, and, and shed his blood so you can be forgiven and free, you'll want to obey. If you see someone's great love for you, you know what happens? You'll want to please them. Not that you have to, you'll want to because you'll see how much he loves you. And when... When you become a Christian, the spirit of God has illuminated you to not just God as a judge after you, but as a good loving father who took care of sin. And when you understand that, it changes your deepest desire to want to please him. So the way that you actually understand, if you really understand grace is, do you, do you want to please God? Not because you have to, because you want to. That's a disposition changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't had that shift, I'm questioning you know Jesus, because that's what the spirit of God does. It gives you a new appetite, a deeper appetite. What I'm not saying is you won't sin. You'll still have temptation, but the deeper appetite of your heart is you'll want to please God. Um, I've given this illustration before. This is called um, this regeneration when the Spirit of God changes your heart to see God as a good, loving Father, not just a, a God that, that, that you've got to appease. Is, um, he gives you a new desire. So uh, I, I, love, I love Polynesian sauce. Like I loved it growing, you know, my whole, my whole thing, man. I just get, I get like tubs of it and just like fries and nuggets. And I mean, just, I was all about the Polynesian sauce. And one day they were out of Polynesian sauce. I don't know what Chick-fil-A I was at. And I was like, man, what kind of Chick-fil-A is this? They was like, we, we got Chick-fil-A sauce. And I was like, man, give it to me. I like the sauce. And I tasted Chick-fil-A sauce. And now I have a desire and an appetite for Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> and I have never gone back to Polynesian. Never. Why? Because I have a deeper desire for that stuff now and not that. That's how the Spirit of God works. It changes our deepest appetite to say, no, I want that now. Is there a time in your life where it's like, man, I want to go and gather the saints of God to sing the songs of God because it, I, 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 feel, I feel his love there. Is there a time in your life where you didn't want to read the Bible, now you want to read the Bible? Is there a time in your life where it's like, I don't like hearing someone preach for 30 minutes. Like, I wish they would go longer. What is that about? I mean, that's the spirit of God changing your appetite to know him. If that hasn't happened, I'm concerned for you because that leads to obedience and freedom, right? The spirit of God does when you understand the forgiveness that he's brought to you in Jesus Christ. Um, that's processing through the father's love. You don't have to obey God to get his love. He loves you so much. He's already forgiven you. Now you want to. It's significant. It seems like it's the same thing. It's totally different. His forgiveness will lead you to obedience and seeing his trials and, and temptations uh, that you go through differently. Number two, processing through the Father's love is you understand what Jesus teaches us himself. Is our Father, was he at? He's in heaven. Our, he's our Father. This is an invitation to a relationship. It's an invitation to see God as a good, loving, caring, protective Father who has his mind set on you, has his, his loving providence set on you. So what does that mean? That he cares for you. So every trial, listen, passes through his hands towards you. That's what that means. So I don't know what you're going through, but it passes through his hand. Why? Because he thinks you need it. If you, if you understand that, it'll change your, your viewpoint of the trial that you're going to. Because um, 
<laughs> if there's a good loving father looking out at you and saying, I, I need you to go through this. Why? Because I'm forming more of my character of Christ in you. You'd be like, man, I'm in, right? Because it doesn't make you stronger. It'll make you more hopeful. It'll make you more generous. It'll make you more, you know, it'll make you more like Jesus. You'll see those trials as those things. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example and I'll tell you the alternative. You know, we were, my boys wrestle and I talk about it a lot. We practice 20 minutes every day, almost every day. And, um, and I love it. And they, they don't always like it. And they're like, man, that seems over, overbearing. And maybe it is. But here's the deal. It's hard. It's hard. 20 minutes, we're going to get on that mat and we're going to drill. And, and it's mental toughness. It's physical toughness. And, and, you know, the reason why I make them do this at this age, I don't really care if they wrestle beyond whatever, it's, I'm trying to teach them that they can be tough human beings, that they can go through a lot. And I'm trying to use wrestling as a, a controlled environment to teach them something about themselves that goes way beyond wrestling. I'm trying to forge their steadfastness in a controlled environment. And God is certainly doing that with us in trials uh, because you're going to need it and they're going to need it. And that's a loving thing to do is there's a refinement process and so I was talking about this individual just recently and Josh was like, man, they seem really smart. I said, like, well, yeah, they're probably smart. But I was like, but they're trained. That's why they're able to do certain things. Why? Because they've gone through this testing. Now they're trained human beings. And now as they go through a trial, certain things are coming out of them because they've been, they've been refined to do so. That's what God's doing with us. That he is testing you. He is molding you. He is refining you to making you more beautiful, more strong, more brilliant than you could ever imagine through what? These trials. It's passing through the loving Father's hands to you. Like, that's hard to believe. Well, look at the cross of Christ. It is, it is true. Now, if we see trials that way, you will become more like Jesus. But a lot of us look at these trials and sufferings in our life, and we, and we get into despair. We think God's betrayed us. Like, God, I've done these good things, and now you're not holding up your, your, your end of the deal. You don't understand Christianity because that's not what Christianity is about. We already mentioned that. It's not like if you do good things, good things happen to you. That's not. The, the, the center of our faith is the cross. Death brings resurrection. Sacrifice brings redemption. He is molding us through these things. So don't feel like God's betrayed you when life doesn't go your way. He's not betraying you. He's refining you to be more like Jesus, to see the beauties of Christ more. There's other people that would go into despair. They're like, well, you know what? I knew I wasn't a good person. God would have given me this, but I'm a bad person. No, Jesus has dealt with your sin in full. He's not punishing you. He's not punishing you. He's refining you to see his glories more clearly. And this is, this is what? We have to filter we have to filter this through the Father's love. This is how we stand the test of trials and sufferings. We got to see the Father's love behind it, that he's doing something great through them. Um, Jesus, the last point is Jesus deals with temptation as a model for you and with you. So Jesus deals uh, with, uh, with, uh, with our temptation as a model for you and with you. So Jesus himself <laughs> suffered trials uh, and, 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 and was tempted in the sense of, if you go ever read Matthew 4, 1 through 11, but he battled the lies of Satan with what? Truth. So he so was playing a different tune of God's love that as Satan was, was lying to him, he was able to speak truth. You know, he's like, hey, turn these stones in the bread. No man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from God's mouth, that is playing the different tune of God's 
love in your life. You got to know the word. You got to, you need to be in a gathering. You need to be in biblical community. You need to be doing this stuff. Why? Because you need to be playing your mind, your heart to a different tune in the world. I mean, I just tell you on my own, you know what I do in the morning is I get up, I read my Bible and I listen to worship songs and at the beginning of the morning, I'm like, I'm on fire. Like I get it. God's, God's love is with me. By the end of the day, I'm exhausted and I am tired. And you know what? I sometimes struggle. What I really need to do at the end of the day is be better at worshiping before I go to bed and praying more clearly. Why? Because at the end of the day, I'm exhausted and I don't always believe the gospel most clearly. Why? Because I'm not feeding myself there and you're you may be similar to me. Some of you are like, man, on Sundays, I get it. I got to have the next Sunday to get there. We need to be continually renewing our mind with the tunes of Jesus Christ to live well, uh, to live like Jesus. He battled Satan and he was perfect in his obedience. Why? Because he's listening to the tune of the Father's love. Number two, I just want to uh, um, talk about this. Jesus deals with our temptation as a model. And for us, Philippians 1, 6 says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And even when we fall, if trials come, even if we doubt God and, to, and the temptation and we, we give over, if you are born of the spirit of God and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're gonna come out in victory. Why? Because Jesus is, is victorious over the grave. So you may be getting your butt whipped right now, but he's gonna bring you into the fullness of what he's purchased for you, which is you're going to be molded to be like Jesus. So I just wanna encourage you, if your faith is in Jesus, it ends well for you. Why? Because it's not about you, it's about what he's done for you. So he deals with uh, our, our temptation and our sin nature. The last thing I'll point out is Jesus deals with temptation is he himself is the giver of all these good gifts. It says this in Psalm 16, 11, that you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Who's at the right hand of the Father? Well, that's Jesus. And the big idea is what God or Satan usually tempts us with is, is God's creation. God is a good creator of that stuff and he's the author of it and he's the designer of it. So like sex, food, alcohol, relationship, all these things, they were God's idea and it's not those are the problems, it's how we use them. Like, so God is the giver of all these good gifts. It's when we use them to worship him and to, to obey him is we have life. And so we got to see that, man, Satan is only trying to tempt us away from God, not seeing the good gifts that come from his hand and using them rightly. The last thing, like I said, I'll mention is not only does, is Jesus the temptation or does Jesus deal with the temptation as a model, but he deals with it with you. So I know some of you are under great degrees of trial, some minor, some great. Nonetheless, everyone is having these things. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. I mean, they had the fiery furnace. They weren't going to bow down and worship the idol um, in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar heated up that fiery furnace. Says, man, even if my God doesn't save me, my God can save me, but even if he doesn't, we're going to follow him. And in that, in that, you see the angel of the Lord to protect him and see him through that fire, that, that fiery furnace, that trial. It didn't, it didn't burn him up. Now, the truth is, the trial, the trial that you may be suffering, may, it may be crushy, but it crushes you into Jesus. Like we have eternal life in him. We have resurrection in him. So I'm not always going to say it, it gets better on this side of heaven. What I'm saying is that even if he doesn't, he's still good. And the way that we know that is Luke 22, verse 42, it, when Jesus was in the garden about, before going to the cross saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He, they're basically praying the same prayer 
that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. It's like, God can deliver me, but even if he doesn't. And he surrendered to the Father's will to go into the fiery furnace, to take, to take hell on itself, to take, our, to take our death. And so we know, since Jesus took our judgment, hear me, since Jesus took our judgment, there's only refinement left for us. There's never condemnation set on us. Why? Because Jesus Christ has taken in full. So no matter what is happening in your life, God is with you and will never forsake you. How do we know that? Because he's drinking all the wrath of God that was pointed at you. So we have a refiner walking with us through the fiery furnace. We'll never drink it in full. And that's how we can walk through temptation. But we have to frame it through the Lord's prayer. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us see the word of God as amazing and rich and beautiful. God, I pray that this morning we would see you as the good loving father that you are. I pray that we'd frame these trials coming from your hand. Even when we can't believe it, it's true. And you're refining us in Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ, but you are working good in all these little, little things to, to change our, our character, to, to make it steadfast, to make it, to make it sure in Jesus Christ. God, I, I pray that we would be a people that suffer well for your glory knowing that you're doing good for us. Um, God, I pray that you'd have your way with us this morning. Help us want to obey because we see your grace. Help us want to obey because we know that you're a good, loving father. Help us obey as we look to, to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the giver of all good gifts, the promise of life. Help us be changed by the prayer that you teach us to pray, Jesus. I pray that you would just be magnified this morning in song and word and community. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen.